0: So straight talk show, what's going on good people, what's going down, oh, man? Episodes are going to be a little bit more filling, it's going to be like how when it gets winter, you want want something to stick to your ribs, we got more content to where this is going to stick to your brain, you know what I'm saying, this is not to where I got to find things to talk about and what can we do in this time, free agency and all this stuff, no, we're going to talk about season openers. And the season started. Y'all know what our favorite sport is? Football. Which a lot of y'all's favorite sport. I'm a basketball, boxing guy. But football is back. I'm pumped up for football. As you hear me slamming my fist on the table like I'm Skip Bayless. I'm ready for football. Even though my Miami Hurricanes are 0-1. So... There is a little bit of like ah, You know what I'm saying, nervousness Because my Buccaneers are going against the 49ers week one And I don't want both my teams going on one But that's neither here or there I gotta talk about sports in general First we're gonna kick off We're gonna talk about what happened over the weekend On ESPN Um, I'm gonna talk about Lomachenko Versus uh, Luke Campbell Very briefly Then we're gonna move on to college football And then I'm gonna talk about Week one of NFL football is coming up this weekend. So, it's a little bit more things I'm going to you know talk about throughout the episode. But the main things is top rank boxing. Vasily Lomachenko going for a title unification. Trying to add a third belt to his resume in the 135-pound division. Going against a gold medalist himself because Lomachenko is a two-time gold medalist. He's going against a gold medalist in Luke Campbell out of London, 20-0, and made a big time stoppage of fighting um uh Jorge Lenares and I seriously think that uh with with you know saying Lenares being in the ring with both guys he said that Luke Campbell actually had a real good chance of beating uh Lomachenko so this made this fight a challenge. Lomachenko had to go against height and reach. He had to go against somebody that's strong and you know saying Lomachenko had challenges. He wasn't saying that he was fighting somebody that's a pound for pound top ten guy but this was a challenge nonetheless. A young, hungry fighter who got a good pedigree and who has a gold medalist that ain't easy to get. And going against Lomachenko in London, in his hometown. So he's got all the odds. You know what I'm saying? You know I'm saying? Pretty much trying to go towards Lomachenko, the favorite side. Even though he is the underdog, he was in his hometown. He had a lot going for him. Lou Campbell. So... I'm going to talk about that match. That match, um, which was the headliner, which, you know, said other matches where uh, I believe Alexander Povetkin got in there. You know, I don't really take too much stock in him after him popping for PEDs. He was in there in the ring. Um, I believe it was, uh, I forgot who it was, who else was fighting in that fight. But nonetheless, Alexander Povetkin just Just not, he, he, Just somebody that I just won't even, you know what I'm saying, like I said, I can't, I can't talk, say, three, four minutes about that guy. But Vasily Lomachenko versus Luke Campbell, a fight that, that people, you know what I'm saying, might not have really heard about, you know what I'm saying, doing a promo of and stuff like that. That's the thing about foreign fighters with the, with, you can tell how great they are if you watch, like, oh man, he's good. But don't have the real big popping names. And, you know, Loma with being no and him with the nickname Matrix, he has somewhat of a market. But Lou Campbell has not made that market yet. Now, for London, you know, that place was packed. I mean, you talk about fitting 100,000 people in a a football stadium. They packed stadiums. So where they were at in London, which I believe they were in the, uh, (laughs) if I'm not mistaken, they might have been in the U2 arena. I'm not 100% sure on that, but they packed that place. And Vasily Lomachenko came out there, and they knew who the Matrix was. First couple rounds, Lomachenko was getting the feel, and it looked like Luke Campbell was wanting to be aggressive. He was throwing, they both southpaw, so Lomachenko's style of going to his right wasn't going to be as dominant. Also, you had Luke Campbell sitting there trying to go to the body. Um, The first three rounds, Luke Campbell came out the winner. I think he was up 2-1. As the fight went on, Lomachenko started to throw shots, meaningful shots, to make Luke Campbell, you know, kind of hesitant on his attack. Then all of a sudden, you know, Luke Campbell lands a, a, a left-handed Lomachenko, and Lomachenko got a little bit of daze. And the attack, you know what I'm saying, wasn't pressured because, you know, when you're a, when you're a, a person that's the underdog, and you're going for it. You don't want to go at a, an elite guy like Lomachenko, who might be playing possum, who can recover quickly. So he took his time, but he did hurt Lomachenko, I believe, for a second. And then all of a sudden, Lomachenko woke up and then hurt him. Um, put him in more vulnerable positions, I think, that Lou Campbell put Lomachenko, but still fought strong. Still was throwing jabs, throwing going to the body, but Lomachenko was just so too quick and too accurate. I mean, one of the best sharpshooters and punches I've ever seen is from Vasily Lomachenko. The way he sets up punches, the way he can move his feet, his feet's always moving. I mean, like, he was doing moves, I mean, just, you know what I'm saying, fainting, pretty much fainting with his feet, you know what I'm saying, like, I'm gonna, oh, I'm going to throw this and just makes a person hesitate or do a move to where I can throw a jab here, I can throw a right hand here. Then he started incorporating the uppercut. Then you can start to see that, okay, Lomachenko started taking charge of the fight. And then Luke Campbell, once again, fights back, started changing the game plan a little bit and going to the body. But another adaptation move by Lomachenko is that I'm going to take away that, and now I'm going to start going to your body, and then I'm going to start hurting you. And it just turned into that cat-mouse game until it got to about the eighth round, and Lomachenko hit him with a straight... Shot that that straight down the middle, which he had Luke Campbell bleeding early in, in, from the nose and the mouth, uh, uh, uh in the nose. Um, you know, what I'm saying, but it really didn't, I wouldn't say it stopped Luke Campbell for what he wanted to do. It just he couldn't do as much because Lomachenko well, is world class, he's elite. He's somebody that you can say, Well, if he gets in trouble, let's see how he handles it. If he gets in trouble, let's see how he fights back. We're not expecting this man to flat out get washed, washed well, you know, wiped out by Luke Campbell. But if he did, it would be a shocking story. But we're supposed to see him adapt, to see him show heart, show him that, you know, that, yeah, you hit me. You hurt me a little bit, you hit me in the body, but I'm still world champ. And I'm still going to find a way to get the decision. Tenth round came. He knocks Luke Campbell down with a nice shot. Then he ends up going to the body and he goes down. Luke Campbell gets up. He shows that hey, I can still throw punches. Comes out the next round; it's still, uh, you know, saying a, a, a fight, but it was, a, you know, saying I, I want to say more than a smidge a fight that jumped out of Luke Campbell's body because he started, you know, cr- uh, curling up, taking shots, moving around, just trying to survive rather than trying to go for broke, knowing that you're gonna lose the final decision, especially when you got knocked down in the tenth round. And I just thought that he played it safe and just didn't want to get stopped. As going to the twelfth round, the fight is still close, but just out of reach. I think with I think the the, the one of the scorecards was one nineteen and one oh eight or something like that. I just thought that the scorecards was a little bit further out than what the fight may have spoke. It could have been I would say a one. It could have been a one eighteen, one twelve. Could have been a one. You know something like that. Now 116, 118 something like that. I think that'd have been a little bit too too close. Knockdown and him kind of giving up towards 11, 12th round could have stretched it out, you know. But I believe I saw a scorecard that had it way too, way, way too spread out. But all in all, Vasily Lomachenko, you know, you know, to, to me, I think he had like three amateur careers. He's thirty years old. He's pulling up to the, to the to the ranks of professional boxing with sixteen fights, and he's taking on tough opponents. I will give him that. Now, it's, with him winning the fight. And looking at the division, you got Richard Comey as the IBF champ. Richard Comey really don't got a big name for himself. He's got two losses. And I think that if he can fight a Javante Tank Davis, that could be his debut fight in the 135. Then we can sit there and see how that goes down. And then we can see Tank Davis fight Loma Chico. We've heard Devin Haney, a person that's fighting at 130, you know what I'm saying, who's sitting there saying they could beat Loma. So you got guys in 130 talking a lot. I mean, even, you know, you know, Tim Farmers, you know, throwing his name out there. Mikey Garcia has said that he was fighting one more fight at 135. and won Lomachenko, then he wasn't coming back. He's fighting Danny Garcia, so I guess he's telling the truth. So I don't think he's coming back down at 135 to fight uh, Lomachenko. So Lomachenko needs to look at Tank Davis, Shakur Stevens, and Devin Haney. Dead ass. So I will look at here in the next two years. I hope, them two, I hope those three names, you know, come up on Lomachenko's docket. To fight. Shakur Stevenson, Tevin Farmer, Tank Davis, Devin Haney, you know what I'm saying four names. Those names right there need to be in line to fight Lomachenko Warrington. Uh two's another one. And, you know, I I can throw out a lot of names that should be fighting this guy. Guys that are up at 140, you know what I'm saying that's somebody I name. Um uh Jose uh uh Louis Santa Cruz, you know what I'm saying? Like all those names could be pulling up on Lomachenko. Uh, But the main ones, I think, that has the chance to stop Lomachenko, Tank Davis, Devin Haney. Those people can put some paws on Lomachenko. Now, as far as the Matrix stuff, the boxing ins and out, Lomachenko's a bad boy. But I've noticed that him taking shots is a little different. It's a little bit more difficult. Just, just saying. I'm just I I, I he's, he he put him down. He's looked hurt against Campbell. He took some shots against uh, on his first debut uh, on ESPN. I think that guy I can't remember Aguera or can't remember his name. He hit him one time, so he's able to get hit. Salita was hitting him, and it's loss. I mean he's he's got a he's got a loss on his record, but that loss was a little. Uh, I've watched the fight over again. He I don't know. It, it's one of those things where. If you are a judge that likes physical fighting, I guess you can give it to Salito. But he got a little dirty. But I, I do think Lomarchenko deserved that loss because he, he kind of thought shit was sweet. He thought because he was getting a little, a little roughed up that the judges were going to give benefit of the doubt. He didn't really bite down his mouthpiece and fight like he did against Linares or against Luke Campbell. And Luke Campbell wasn't being all physical or dirty. It's just that you show the heart of a champion and you come back and you come back swinging. Bottom line. So keeping it moving. Cause, you know, now you, you, you I mean the more I can say about this subject before I keep it before I move to college football is that at one thirty five, hundred and thirty-five pounds, is not a popular money-making division. But with the power of social media and the power of I would say having American boxers in the mix, Tank, Shakur, Devin Haney, with Loma makes it interesting because Loma is an interesting boxer who has a little bit of swag to him in how he does things. So there's a possibility that at 135, it can get not as popular as 147, but at least can hit a, hit a light to where people are like, man... These little dudes right here, you know, at 135 can really make some noise and make some big-time money fights instead of having to move up to 140 or 147. Hey, you. Doing? It's all straight talk show. Now we can talk about some college football, something that everybody's been waiting on. I've been counting down the days. People have been paying attention to Facebook, you know, groups. You know I'm shouting out stat stuffers, I'm shouting out the best damn football group. Y'all check him out on Facebook. Stat stuffers, best damn football group, best damn sports group. Check him out on Facebook. Go look him up on a search. Go ahead and get yourself in there. Um, best damn football group. You know you got to get approved to get in. You answer a questionnaire. Get your sports knowledge up there. You get on in there. Um, but college football and, and pro football, you know, especially pro football, I know it takes, takes some hits in the offseason. People talk about this and that and this and that, especially with the knee dropping and all stuff like that. Then you got college football with the pan of the players and NCAA doing what they want. And then you got coaches and carousel. Now we got the transfer portal. Like, I feel like I'm in Mortal Kombat. But with football, we all going to miss when the season's over. We're going to miss it. And we're going to sit there and go, oh, man. Oh, we got basketball. We, You know, people talk about this, and I ain't watching it this year. This, this, can't. But when week one gets here, everybody's got their beer. People's having their cookouts. People's having their, their bonfires. People are always on point for football. And I don't care what nobody say. Either if you're going to listen to it on the radio, just make bets. You got DraftKings, FanDuel. Now we got sports books going all over the place. Football, man, is where it's at for all of that. And we had a good week one that, you know, I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure the full week one was over. But you're talking about opening up with Miami, Florida, which, tough one, you know what I'm saying? Tough one. 20 to 24, freshman quarterback from Miami. You got Frank's coming back from Florida after making some noise last year. Um, you got a, you got you got Manny Diaz making his debut, who was the defensive coordinator now head coach. Um, you got Florida with a lot of expectation to stay in the top ten To possibly make it to the playoff, and they're number eight starting off, and 20 to 24. And you're talking about on both sides of the ball, 20-plus penalties for (laughs) 20-some yards, uh, uh, how many, four or five turnovers in a game for both teams. Um, A lot of things went down in that game to where you can say, man, uh, with changing of practices and less tackling, less contact in training camp for these teams, uh, a lot more in the classroom, a lot more offensive work, but you're seeing mistakes and things like that in the first week, and you got to see most of that from Miami. And for where I say Miami, because they could have won the game, is that they had more mistakes on penalties. They had more mistakes as far as key momentum. Try, you know, I think Florida had more turnovers, if I'm not mistaken. But you can't, you can't in a football game be caught up in a position where you know saying. Where, where, where moments where a turnover can happen, just like the interception that Florida threw at the end of the game. I mean, we had it, but then a penalty. You know what I'm saying? Miami had a chance to score after getting the ball back on a crucial three and out. Then a muff punt. Florida had momentum, interception, fumble. So, everybody's getting on their breaks. People making their little false starts. But now you're starting to see that that teams that had that little bit of time to wait, you got to see a better brand of football come week two. That was the big game of week one, um, Miami and Florida. And 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 um, for the rest of the season, you know what I'm saying, that's going to be pretty big, especially for Florida, if they go on and went out and say if Miami does good, Miami can sit there and look back and say, hey, man, we almost beat a very good team to stay in the top ten. Or if Florida bombs out, then who's going to say, you know, whatever if Miami's doing well or they're doing bad. But hopefully both of those teams are doing good towards the end. But Trevor Lawrence didn't have a good first game. Through do two picks now. They beat Georgia Tech 52-14. to 14, But that's a powerhouse team. Just won a championship going against a team that I don't see being good for the next couple of years. And Georgia Tech, who likes to, you know, run the ball, run the wishbone and stuff like that. Trevor Lawrence didn't have a great game. Texas a and went out there 41-7 against Texas State. Um, UCF looked flawless against Florida and six two to tw- uh, zero. Utah beats BYU thirty to twelve. Utah is a team that you know always kind of you know th- th- be wary of them. That they can you know do they can do some things, but just not powerful enough. Wisconsin, what they did to South Florida was goodness gracious life. They beat the tarnation out of them. <laughs> I'm talking about the tarnation out of them. Uh, Taylor had four touchdowns, okay? He had four touchdowns. Two of them, I believe, were, if I'm not mistaken, two of them was uh, was, uh, was, was uh, uh, receiving. And, you know, the him to sit there and show that he can catch the ball is always good for the NFL scouts, but 135 yards rushing made it look easy. The average 8.4 yards per carry. That's a Heisman candidate right there. hopeful not a candidate but a Heisman hopeful now it is week one come to an end Uh, other games look at as Ohio State um, Justin Fields another Heisman hopeful he went out there and uh, did what he was supposed to do Justin Fields who I was sitting there saying like in the whole transfer portal was hoping with the Miami but decided to go to Ohio State I wanted Jalen Hurts which I'm not even going to talk about him yet Want him to go to Miami too instead of some Tate Martell, who didn't even start. Who's playing wide receiver? Jesus. Alright, I'm gonna keep it moving. Justin Fields went 61 yards rushing, you know, showed off the running ability, scored a touchdown, but but let's just talk about the man's ability to play the quarterback position. Um Justin Fields went eighteen to twenty five, two hundred and thirty four yards. He uh threw four touchdowns and had a two or three passer rating. Now these 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 stats against you, I mean, I this is Florida Atlantic we're talking about here, okay? But from what I've seen from the eye test, is that Justin Fields being highly recruited out of SEC? Man, Ohio State. Y'all are fortunate every year. Every year, man, they've been fortunate with stuff like this from Trell Power on up. This man is dangerous. So now we got two quarterback Heisman Hopefuls. This one I ain't even talking about what he did yet. Now we got Taylor, the running back. Justin Fields is gonna be somebody to look out for. This year for the Heisman race, so that's now Haskins in him. That's back-to-back years. You got Murray and Baker, and now you got Hurts. So now Taylor's like, Jesus, I'm never going to this thing. <laughs> but he's there. He's there. Um, other things to look at is like Northern Iowa, almost beat Iowa State. Took three overtimes. It almost happened. Iowa State pulls it out. I cannot believe. The Iowa State being ranked with Northern Alabama. Come into Iowa State and almost beat them. Crazy. Nebraska was sitting there looking very good against South Alabama. They hit. They slowed down a little bit. Adrian Martinez got to tighten up the accuracy some. There was a lot of high throws. He was throwing a lot of inaccurate throws and a lot of too pretty throws. He tried to look too pretty, and I thought he missed some throws that way. And now you got Nebraska up 35 to 21 over South Alabama. Which I think should have been a little bit more spread out, showing the talent to see if you can be a Heisman hopeful there, Adrian. So you got the body, you got the the, the athleticism, the skill set. Put everything else in it. Look at the classroom more seriously. Look at the tape. Look how you're throwing the ball. It's timing throws. It was one that was down the red zone. I, I believe it was somebody was just doing a, a a little double move and making a hard post inside the end zone, or or no, oh, it was like a post corner. You can't miss throws like that. You can't miss throws like that. You just can't. He was wide sneaking open. Just keep it keep that in mind. Washington ranked thirteen beats Eastern Washington 47 to 14. Duke, which I talked about this all weekend until up to this game. Duke presents a good prestigious something here in the past, what, say, six years in football. Coach Cutcliffe have done some great things to Duke football. Now you got Daniel Jones being a lottery pick, so to speak, going to the Giants. So all these good things about Duke is good. But Alabama, this is my thing about Alabama, they pay attention to stuff like that, and they look at it it's like, man, that could be somewhat of a first game we could play. I guarantee it, saving versus Cutcliffe. I don't give a damn about that. I give a damn about what you do out there on the field as far as game one. We played Florida. That's a Miami Hurricane fan, me saying that. There's other guys out there, other teams out there that, if you want to say marquee, Auburn, they played Oregon. You know what I'm saying? And they found a way to win. So when you, when, you, when you take soft touches, I expect you to take the softest touch you can take. But if you're taking something and – you're going to be primetime TV, and it's the kickoff classic, and it's on a neutral field and all that stuff like that. Duke? Duke? No disrespect to Duke. I mean, we weren't ranked either, but I'm just saying, I think we could be Duke. I wholeheartedly think Miami could be Duke this year, from what I've seen. But what for? I knew what was going to be out there, you don't have Daniel Jones, you got a new quarterback, there's no flashy players. You had a You had a linebacker out there. Then Kwanzaa, who was really firing after it, I mean, he wasn't even supposed to play. And I just think he, he he went out there and just balled out for the pure sake of that. So, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just I, I just didn't like the whole matchup with Duke going against Alabama game one. Alabama, they could have played a shittier team and been on a, you know, ESPNU channel taking up a primetime slot at 3.30. So, I'm not going to sit there and, and get too, too upset about that. It was a game, and Jerry Judy made my popcorn fly everywhere. Um, you know, uh, t- attack of low, you know what I'm saying, play well. That defensive front, I cannot believe. Now, you do a good job against Alabama, and now you're, you're moving the ball, whatever like that, but you try to go four and two, up the middle on a run against that defensive line with Raquan Davis in them? Are you crazy? Are you crazy, Duke? Come on, Cutcliffe. Duke one forty-two to three. Jerry Judy, like I said, Najee Harris, two attacking below. But that don't them, them secondary man, them corners man, 10 the second long man. Those guys are they. That defense gonna be something. Now something all the way up till when they when they gonna see something different and teams get a lot of film on them and then you get that extra time for the playoff. They look a little different when it when it gets up to that point. They look so dominant leading up to that point until they got to change certain things up. They got to adapt um, make adjustments before the adjustments need to be made if it's so to speak. Change your game. Do a bill check. You know what I'm saying? Change your game plan throughout the season, Nick, Saban, to where I feel when you get to the playoffs, teams already got you. They got a rap on you. And they like, well, we got to stop this and this. One. they don't do this very well. Can they do everything well to where they're gonna blow everybody up? Because Clemson's ready. I'm telling you, Clemson's ready. Georgia could be ready. They got. It. I'm, I'm a big Nolan Smith fan. Anyway, Michigan wins forty to twenty-one of middle, middle Tennessee. Stanford wins seventeen seven against Northwestern. C.J. Costello took a mean um, uh, intentional hit while he was sliding down. He had to leave the game. Hope he's going to be okay. He's supposed to be a Heisman hopeful for me. You know, KJ Costello was really good, and I like him a lot. Penn State wins seventy nine to seven against Idaho. Jesus Christ! Uh, Syracuse beats uh, Liberty twenty four to zero. I wonder how long Syracuse is going to stay ranked. That's going to be interesting to find out. Uh, Iowa beats Miami of Ohio thirty eight to fourteen. LSU fifty five to three. Now LSU is an interesting thing. They're six in the country. They have Delpit. Pitt, they got wide receivers, uh, I, I think his name is Mordecai, I, 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 if I'm going to get that name right, Mordecai, I'm going off the top of the dome here, but man, they're they're good, and the only thing that can set them back is once again is quarterback. You know, everything for LSU can always be going good, but can Joe Burrow be something what he was last year? Now, this first game, yeah, you're going to go 23, or 27, 20, 278 yards. Five touchdowns. As the season went on, other than the game where y'all scored 120 points against, frick who was it? <laughs> it scored like 150 points against Texas A&M. Or I think it was just Texas A&M. I ain't really see that much against Joe Burrow. Now against Miami, he looked good. Against Miami, yeah. Against uh, other teams, I don't really. I didn't see Joe Burrow really go crazy. The way Joe Burrow was pumped up to me. So Miles Brennan got in. He went seven and twelve. He didn't throw no touchdowns, but he got in for a little bit of something. But 27 pass attempts, 278 yards or five touchdowns. And now you got Lil little <laughs> coming up there, you know what I'm saying, getting some courage. You, you got a little – you got, you have a committee of guys. You got Edwards and uh, hellar. and um, it looks like the main rush getter is going to be him but uh, or Fournette. But like I said, their wide receiver, the wide receiver core, is what's going to be something to where they're going to just dis and jump. Jefferson, uh, Thaddeus Moss, um, the tight end, uh, Jamal Pettigrew, you know what so saying, he's going to have to get better. But um, Derek Dillon, I don't really know too much about him, but I do – I see, Mordecai must have been already gone. But I, the, one person I did not know about LSU um, was Edwards, um, the running back. These guys are going to be, you know saying, running types of offensive work. Kind of similar to what you've seen uh, from Miami. You know what I'm saying? Like guys that can spread out, catch swing passes, screen passes, um, wide receivers that can catch screens and go get yak yards. I don't see Joe Burrow sitting there launching it, you know what I'm saying, for, for tons and tons of yards. You see guys, you know I'm saying, like, you know, Derek Dillon, he only caught one catch for 32 yards. And then you got. Um, uh, uh, Thaddeus Moss who caught a long one for 44 yards. Um, then, then Jefferson um, Jefferson caught one for 44 yards. And this is against, like I said, against Georgia Southern. How many times they're gonna go down the field against top defenses? We'll wait to see how Joe Burrow acts on that. Cause Joe Burrow he can move a little bit, he can run a little bit. I'm not a big hater on Joe Burrow. It just I don't I don't I don't I can't really see LSU. Finishing in the top 10 in the country from what I've seen so far. Um, Auburn to show the moxie to come back and beat Oregon where Justin Herbert had a Heisman type game. Um, Justin Herbert went 28-37, 242 yards and a touchdown. No interceptions. If it could have been three touchdowns, they would have won the game. Of course. The difference is sacks, SEC, defense, physical play changes everything. So when you look at the box score, you're like, damn, Herbert, he had." I mean, but it's the uh, – Pressure, pressure, pressure by Auburn. And it just gave Bo Nix a chance to just keep trying to be good. Keep trying to be good. He had two interceptions, to 31 But just keep trying. Just keep trying. Defense going to give you the chance. The run game is going to give you a chance. Whitlow, 24 carries, 110 yards. Bo Nix, who sat at the Oregon-Auburn National Championship game as a kid back in 2011, now as a man, Taking down Oregon in a Heisman hopeful Justin Herbert. Bo Nix. War Eagle, man. That that right there is the story of the weekend for me. Is that Bo Nix, a kid that was there watching Cam Newton beat Oregon. Chip Kelly and that flashy offense. But here he grew up and had a dream to play for Auburn War Eagle Tigers. And he was able to do that in his first game on the field. He was able to sit there and beat Oregon, you can't you can't write a better story than that. So big ups to him. Big, big ups to Whitlow. Uh, big ups to uh, uh the defense, man. I mean that defense, bro. Jesus, man, they made constant pressure, and you got what four sacks out of the deal. So I don't know how many Harrys. You know Jeremiah Denson, man, just went completely bonkers. So Auburn beats Oregon. They got a good start on the season. Hoorah! I'm not even a marine. I'm saying that, but that's big ups to Scotty White, though. I got to represent my buddy. Texas beats Louisiana Tech forty-five fourteen. Todd Herman. Washington State wipes out New Mexico State fifty-eight to seven. We know who's coaching that team down there. Can he get him over the hump though? You know what I'm saying? That's such a good offensive-minded coach. I'm having a brain fart of his name right now, but I know curly hair, you know, older guy, heavyset guy. You know what I'm talking about. But that offense, man, they're just so good. But New Mexico State, I mean, what can you do against the independent? Anything you want, anything you want. Um, now I can talk about who I really wanted to talk about. Somebody who went through trials. And tribulations. Somebody who's went through doubt, people always doubting. him. People always saying, oh, he's good, but, or here comes this guy, got took out during the national championship game when he played for Alabama. And the, and the player who came in for him helped win the game. So you go through the offseason of that. Then you had to change positions. Then you had to suck it up and be like, all right, I'll be the backup. And I'm going to help out be the other position. Then you play that season. You lose in the championship game. You play in the game before the championship game, you play well. All those things that comes in play, you're like, man, like, what's got to be going through Jalen Hurts' head? Transfer portal. Hits it. Rumors here, rumors there, Oregon, Miami. West Virginia. You're hearing all these different schools. But Oklahoma, who has produced the last back-to-back Heisman finalists, winners. Going to the college playoffs. Oklahoma. So, you look you, you look at you your options out. And I can understand why he chose Oklahoma. Because what I just said. They went to the national championship game. I mean, the, the, to the playoff. College playoffs. Back to back. And they had back to back Heisman quarterbacks. No brainer. No brainer. So, he goes to Oklahoma. He, he you know what I'm saying. We had the offensive coordinator come to Miami. That he had at Alabama. He had rumors saying he was going to West Virginia. He had rumors saying that, you know, Tate Martell might have been going to Oklahoma. But all in all, he chooses Oklahoma. And then he goes out there. Now, I'm going to say this too, though. There's a there's a kid named Derek King, the Houston guy, that's going to be good. He's going to be really good. 15 runs, 103 yards. 14 to 2,767 yards passing, two touchdowns. He's going to be really good. It's just that Oklahoma is just a weld away machine. And that hurts where people want to make fun of Dan Hogerson, which he wasn't ready for this type of ass whooping. But I don't think the team and the whole school wasn't. And, you know, he hasn't beat Oklahoma yet as his tenure as being a head coach and being part of the Big 12 or just being part of playing against Oklahoma. He has not beaten them. He's 0 8. So, you know, you got those murmurs and stuff like that, but man, Jalen Hurts went 20 of 23, 332 yards. The man scored three touchdowns, and he had 16 rushes for 160, 176 yards. rush. He ran a 43-yard run, had three rushing touchdowns. He had six total touchdowns. I don't even know the other running backs for Oklahoma after seeing that. Trey Sermon had 91 yards. Good job, son. But let's talk about Jalen Hurts, who wanted to sit there and show the arm. 20 or 23. And some good throws, too. Now, a lot of them were one read, you know, timing throws that you're going to do week one. Let's get it out the gate. You know, the one throw he threw to um, Baskin, uh, that was that was beautiful. No, that one Baskin. I believe that was Rambo. Rambo took off, man. Rambo took off. That was a play right there. CD Lamb. Took off on one, but Rambo was gone. Um, I'm liking the speed that they're showing a the wide receiver. is going to help out Jalen Hurts so much in the run game. I mean, it's going to be a thing. The thing is, their defense. What can their defense do? You let Derek, who I'm sitting there saying it's going to be really good, but the, you know I'm saying, it's going to take some time. But Derek King made that defense look a little, huh? huh. He, he was passing and running. But Jalen Hurts, God, has me. Front runner right there after that performance twenty a uh, twenty three three thirty two three touchdowns in the air and had three touchdowns on the on the on the ground only had one fumble no picks. Whew, Jalen Hurts man Jalen Hurts he went crazy Jalen Hurts and that's and that's the type of you know that's the type of shit you want to see from him because. What I all I said before I named what he did. We have all these question marks and all da da da, da and da, da 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 Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Notre Dame Louisville was the big Labor Day game. In book. Everybody knows that name. 14 to 23, 193 yards, one touchdown, one rushing touchdown. He had 81 rushing yards. Tony Jones Jr. had 110 yards rushing with a touchdown. Chase Claypool, wide receiver, had five catches for 94 yards. Defense of Notre Dame held Louisville to 17. Notre Dame always going to look good in the beginning of the season. Some linebacker always going to look good in the beginning of the season for Notre Dame. But can they keep the momentum? Can they survive and still be fast? At the end of the season, they slow down so bad, and the teams just run right, right by them because their schedule gets harder. Schedule gets faster. Hey, the Irish is one of those teams where they're always going to be on the limelight cameras, front row, front page of the paper, front of the magazine, whatever you want to call it. They're box office establishment. NBC, they're independent, all that shit. But can they be there at the end of the season? So now we got Florida, we got Notre Dame, and we got LSU. Those are my three teams. They're in the top ten right now that I feel that might be outside the bubble. Can they survive and still be top ten? I think high hopes for Texas A&M to move LSU out. Who can move Notre Dame out? Who are these sleeper teams out there? I don't know. Too many of them so far. But I'm trying to see the teams that are in the top 10 that can stay. And only teams I can see that can be falling their way out Michigan. It's is really the w- number one one. LSU. And Notre Dame. All the other teams, they got a good chance of staying in there Clemson. Alabama, of course. You know, Georgia. But what can teams like Notre Dame, Florida, when they go against their counterparts that are very, very, very difficult because Notre Dame is going to get tough for them. It gets tough for them. It gets tough for the Auburns, but I think Auburn can persevere. It gets tough for the Texans out there. They got to go against Oklahoma, you know. Oregon, it doesn't get no easy for them, and they lost week one. They were supposed to be moving into the top ten with this win over Auburn. So, it's all in the air. All up in the air. I just can't wait for week two. Like I said, week one was highly entertaining. It was a two-week affair. Week one really was two weeks. (laughs) It took two weeks for week one to finish. Ah, now we can talk about some NFL football now. NFL football, which can't really talk too much. Ain't no games played. But... The first thing that we can talk about is the star on the helmet, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, coming into week one. Now we got no Zeke still. Now it's going to be no Melvin Gordon. I'm telling you, money, man, is getting serious, man. Making money is getting serious. So now, coming up into this, you know, week one. Sorry for my delay; I had a little technical difficulty there. But now we got the week one coming up, and we got some more, you know, I'm saying player moves. I mean, Shady McCoy got released by the Buffalo Bills. Now he's going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Hans Ward. Congratulations on making the staff for the New York Jets. Jacoby Brissett signs a two-year deal for $30 million. So now they got him saying, hey, we're going to give you some money, some confidence to go ahead and you know, get yourself hungry into the starting role. They signed Brown Hoyer, a backup, a guy who's been a backup to his career, has some start stints. Josh Doxson, the draft pick from the Washington Redskins, out of TCU, I believe. He goes to the Vikings. Maybe a career can come. Can start the match rate for him in there. Nikhil Henry. Big time wide receiver. uh, Rookie out of Arizona State. Now he'll be out eight weeks. That kind of reminds you of a Mike Williams situation down at um, the Chargers. Or a uh, John Ross type situation. Will we see him this year? I wanted to see Nikhil Henry. With Josh Gordon and all those guys. They couldn't have Marius Thomas. Will they bring him back? We don't know. But Zeke deal is not close. Um, you know, saying with talks and stuff that incorporates from the media and what it might be said on the phones that we don't know about, it's ruining everything. I mean, you got to think. Zeke is like, I still want to be the best player right running back because... I've led the league in Russia three, out out, 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 three years out of my, uh, what, four years? He's been in the league four years. And only one year I didn't lead the league in Russia. One. I I really, really, really am on the fence of what needs to be done, and I'm on the fence of whose side I'm on. I mean, I'm just happy I'm a Buccaneer fan because the Cowboys fans, I'd be stressed out, man. Because this is big time stuff. You're not having your main guy and you're trying to pump up a guy named Tony Pollard that we don't know nothing about. So Tony Pollard, he got all this pressure leading into week one and going against the Giants. And and the Giants, you know what I'm saying, they're not nothing to scream home about, but this is a rivalry game. This is Cowboys-Giants. Then they got to play the Redskins. No Zeke. But got Dak. You got Amari Cooper. You got things going. But Tony Pollard, like I said, a lot of pressure. But, um, you know, LaShawn McCoy going to Kansas City. um, Will he have more in the tank going there? Could he? Could he? Could he? It's a possibility. I look at him going there as being a good help for for Andy Reid. Maybe that extra juice can come. You know what I'm saying? That can come. So unhappiness in Buffalo. You got the shady that you got last year, low production of scrimmage yards and touchdowns. Him going to Kansas City can be kind of like a Randy Moss in in in, in Oakland going to New England, somewhere where he could be happy and, and have a chance to win. Might see a different Shady McCoy. He thanks the Bills in a in a, in a in a in a in a social media message. That's always good. Joe Hayden. Signs a two-year extension, $22 million with the, with the Steelers. That was a good trade, and he's been a good pick. He ain't been a perfect corner, but he's been a steady one. Um, Larry Matunzel and Kenny Stills gets traded to the Houston Texans over the weekend. That was big news. Texans traded Jadavion Clowney to the Seattle Seahawks. That was big news. The Miami Dolphins are tanking bigger news. They're trying... All I mean, they got first-rounders, they got second-rounders, they're getting them all. And it looks like they're trying to get Tua. It looks like they're trying to get Jerry Judy. It looks like they're trying to load up. They're trying to load up. Big time. The Dolphins are just trying to make sure that they can get what they need to get here in a few or whatever they're going to be planning on doing. They're trying to load up on picks, not so much as contracts. (laughs) Chargers give Pouncey a one-year, nine million dollar extension, um, and Trent Williams is still holding out, and 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 Mr. Gruden has no no idea when that's going to come to an end. So you got all these different stuff. Um, oh yeah, the Cowboys they um, uh, signed uh, Lil Collins to uh, an extension, five years. Everything's getting ironed out before the season starts. And the, and the players are not going to be putting on helmets. God, I feel for those teams. For the guys that made trades and trying to get guys acclimated to the playbooks and everything like that, yeah, I wish you the best. Uh, for my Buccaneers, I need some injuries to get some get healthy. I need Vita Vea to be ready this weekend. I need JPP to be ready week six, week seven. I'm hearing good news from him. I'm hearing good news from... Um, Kendall Beckwith, even though he's still out, out. But um, Ronald Jones, I want big things from you. And I want Jameis Winston to look to his progressions. I want Jameis Winston to be great. I'm tired of people sitting there laughing at this man. I'm tired of people laughing at um, just the Buccaneers in general because, you know, we have been a a, a good organization here the past few years. Now, we have not been smart drafting. But as far as making our organization uh, more... We had the staff infection thing going. We had a lot of drama. We had a lot of things that organization-wise we have cleaned up. I think that's been ran a lot better. Now we bring in Bruce Arians and we got a good coaching staff. Byron which on the staff. We got uh, Todd Bowles. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We got a real well-run organization with good people around it. And I think our front office is really turning the corner on that. And uh, all around the board, like I said, we had a real bad stab effect that affected Pro Bowl players. We could have had Jari Evans. Uh, uh, We affected uh, uh, – hell, it all started when we had um, – it was a tight end that we had. I can't remember his name. He's gone. So, I mean, you know, these players had to retire because of that. And we were to blame for that. So, I mean, you know, stab infection was going rampant throughout throughout the league. But we were one of the teams that was really going through it. And I'm just glad that all the things that, you know, just bad media stuff, you know, stuff, we just gimmicks type stuff that we stopped doing. I'm proud of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for cleaning all that shit up. Now we can put out a better product on the field, and I'm hoping that we can stay healthy because injuries has been stopping us winning-wise. We've had top ten defenses. We have top ten offenses in in certain spots of the season and then losing. We finished season with top ten offenses twice. We've had top ten offenses Title, I guess you say in the top 10, two times since James has been in the league. So, that is something to look up to. Um, Another thing to look up to is that, I don't know if y'all watched the preseason or not though, but Daniel Jones, man, he looked real good. And if Eli Manning gets hurt and this man comes in, that could be something to be said. Calum Murray, he's going to have a lot of expectation coming week one. um, Having some struggles in the preseason. I didn't really take a whole lot of stock into the preseason because this was very light, very mild. A lot of a lot of players, they probably got cut or probably not going to be in, played a lot. Um, you didn't get to see a lot from the starters. But, man, Baker Mayfield didn't look good um, towards the end. Tom Brady didn't really look all that great. It was a lot of quarterbacks that didn't look good. Um, but if you want to say to somebody that really, that you can tell that's really worked on their game and that's really ready to play this season is... If you if you if you've seen the work from, uh, I just gotta keep I gotta go back to his name, but Daniel Jones, that's a player that people booed at him get drafted where he came from. If he won Baker Mayfield's in the, in the in the you know I, every time I saw him throw the ball, I was like, damn, Daniel Jones, man. Okay, so Eli, he stay healthy. Show the man the best you can, and stay on the field because he's coming. He's tall, he's accurate, he's got a strong arm. I think that's why he got picked early as he did. So Daniel Jones is somebody I call a preseason MVP for my eyes because, like I said, I didn't get to see everybody. But Daniel Jones, he showed me something, and for the the scrutiny that he he was like like a Porzingis type uh, scrutiny, and that's funny. That's the New York team. But yeah. Andrew Luck's not playing, by the way, guys. I know y'all knew that, but Jovi Brissett, good luck to you. But this is another episode of the Soft Straight Talk Show. Hope y'all enjoyed it. And hope everybody's going to check it out today, tomorrow. Leading all the way up to the week. End to where we're going to have Sunday. Where beer's going to be cracking again and all that stuff like that for NFL football, but also Saturday, college game day. We got week two coming. You know what I'm saying? There's week two coming. More excitement, more bands playing, more chances for upsets and all that good stuff. But I'm just ups- I'm just more pumped up for flag football. I'm in a flag football league and um, and it's one of the more fun activities that you can do outdoors more than basketball, I think. In you know saying uh, uh, you know saying like, you know, wild league basketball. Flag football is very fun camaraderie with your friends and stuff like that. It's a uh, uh, big time teamwork. You know what I'm saying everybody has a you know, a job that you can do and you can be good at it. And um, it's nothing to where you you know, you, you ain't nothing where you sit there and leave your, your 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 life on the line. We ain't playing out there in pads and stuff like that. It's flag football. You get done, you can go crack a beer open and enjoy the rest of your day. But I'm pumped up for this season. It's going down Charleston, West Virginia, representing the all Madden team. We playing in Dunbar, the Shawnee League. Y'all need to go down there and people that, you know I'm saying, that listen to my show, man, go down there and support. There's bleachers. There's concessions. The, the, dumb, the Shawnee League, the Shawnee Flag Football League is going down and starting this weekend, starting Sunday, and it's going to be on every Sunday. Go down there and support it, man. It's big-time stuff, man. Big-time stuff. All oh, man, that's gang-gang, man. We're going for that championship. We was in the championship last year and we lost by one point. So that was my last point. That was my final thought. Before I end this episode off is that all madness back. All madness back. And uh, and like I said, week two is going to be fire. Uh, games to look out for. And there is uh, Clemson's Texas, and them. Woo! LSU, Texas. Woo! I can't wait. So y'all have a good one. Soft Straight Talk Show. Take it easy.